Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to this special weekend episode of Black Box Online Radio. To anyone who's listening to these things live as they come out, it is now December, and yesterday was Christmas Day, so I hope everyone had a good Christmas. But December 25th and December 26th are also dates of significance in the true crime world. On December 26th of 1996, JonBenet Ramsey was found dead in Colorado, in perhaps one of the most famous unsolved murders in the entire history of the United States, and perhaps globally at this point. And I was just on Google.com to find out um, how exactly, how old would JonBenet have been if she were still alive today? And it says, JonBenet would have been 31 years old, 4 months and 18 days if she were still alive at the time of this recording. And you really have to think, I mean, that still sounds very young and she was someone who was robbed of her life, murdered in one of the more confusing um, crimes of that century and of the last 50 years. And it really has baffled investigators to this day. But next to this section about the age is something that Time magazine has provided, a snippet-like introduction. On December 26th of 1996, Six-year-old beauty pageant contestant Jean-Benet Ramsey was found dead in the basement of the family's Boulder, Colorado home, along with a ransom note asking for $118,000. Autopsy results released in 1997 revealed that Jean-Benet had suffered asphyxiation due to strangulation. And this is something that people that are discussing the case on forums really want to zone in on, because some people remind us that JonBenet also had a large head wound. She had a crack in her skull that was sometimes it's reported as eight and a half, sometimes nine inches. But there was also a very large uh, dent in her skull that had been provided by a blunt object. And some people insist that she died from blunt force trauma. I've never found anything to support that, but I think they're trying to force their particular theories, to be honest. But with... um. The majority of people following the case, it seems that the cause of death is strangulation. It is posted in almost all of the sources. So she was struck in the head with a blunt object, but it was the asphyxiation that actually led to her death. One suspect that has been explored very extensively is someone in the family. And I did an episode around this time last year talking about the parents theory, the idea that it could be either John Ramsey or Patsy Ramsey who were involved with the murder of their own daughter. And not only involved, but they were the actual perpetrators who ended her life. But there's another uh, suspect, and that is her brother, Burke Ramsey. And I've been very critical of this theory, even though CBS put out that hit job on him more or less a couple years ago which they wanted to provide explanations about how Jean Bonnet could have been murdered by her own brother, and then Burke Ramsey retaliated by filing a $750 million lawsuit against them, and I don't think he got that much money, but he, d he challenged them because he said they did this whole public hit job on him for a crime that he was never charged with. And right now, I would like to share some things that I've been discussing with somebody named Tina L. She is the one who has made numerous Black Box Online Radio images, especially the ones that I put out 
in the most recent Christmas episode. So thank you to her con for her contribution just for creating some of the uh, things that you're going to be seeing throughout this episode. But also, I would like to remind you guys that anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also get me on Instagram at blackboxnid88, or like Tina did on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box, as well as just the um, Facebook page for the show, Blackbox Online Radio. You can also listen to the program for free at Launchpad 1 if you'd like to download the audio as a pure podcast. You can go over to Amazon.com, have a look at my book, Killer on a White Horse by me, Ned Dahan. It is a novel murder mystery inspired by the Zodiac Manson connection. And there is always the Teespring page. Feel free to have a look at some of the merchandise. And remember, being weird is not a crime. Okay, so I'm going to read some of the things that Tina has written for this episode. And, and let's just go right into it. I'm 96% that Burke did it. And I've worked on my theory for many years with the group to point where we've solved the puzzle down to just minus a few pieces. I will be glad to type it out. It will take a little time. And as for an intruder did it, very low probability, 1% or 2% at best. And the person would either have to be the luckiest person alive or one of the smartest. 2 to 3% chance it is anybody in the Ramsey family besides Burke in that scenario. It would be something like, Patsy walked in on John molesting Jean Bonnet. Terrible to think about it, come to think. And she takes a swing at him with the flashlight and accidentally hits Jean Bonnet. Then begins the staging of the cover-up. Now, I know that Tina doesn't believe that theory, but I um, absolutely do not think that's what happened. There's one theory that was explored on the Stones Unturned podcast that Jean Bonnet had been sexually abused for a period of time. And that Patsy Ramsey walked in and she saw Jean Bonnet using the paintbrush that would later be formed into the garage that was tied around her neck. She was using that paintbrush to touch herself inappropriately. And Patsy Ramsey freaked out just because she didn't want to see that type of behavior from her daughter. And she struck her with a blunt object. And that's what caused the head wound. That is, again, a theory I don't endorse, but I think that would be much more probable then Patsy swinging the flashlight at John Ramsey and accidentally hitting Jean Bonnet. But bear in mind, Tina does not believe that theory. She thinks that Burke did it. Without the ransom note, imagine how bad the scenario would look for the Ramseys or anybody with a probably sexually assaulted corpse in the basement of their house. All fingers would point to them from the get-go. The ransom note's purpose is to point at the outward source's first impression. Patsy is the only known person who could have written it, and or, or that handwriting experts say we cannot exclude. So if she most likely wrote the note, we have to ask why, and also have to ask, under what circumstances would both Patsy and John work together to stage a cover-up? If John did it, it is not likely that Patsy would be in and vice versa. That leaves Burke as the only person that they would both cover for. And some people have written this out in the comments section. Again, this is their theory, not mine. But they wanted to challenge me on a couple points. And they say that the Ramsey's just, we've already lost Jean Benet, we can't lose Burke too. So they staged this as the break-in, the murder, leaving behind this three-page ransom note that asked for $118,000, which you have just heard about. So Burke is someone that the parents would cover up for. 
in a photo from Burke's room on the day the body was found, a point shows that he had an interest in tying knots. It is said that he received a Boy Scout guide book that Christmas, which had a chapter on knot tying. He had two Swiss Army knives, at least one with a feature to help tie knots. A Swiss Army knife was found near Jean Bonnet's body. It had been used to cut the rope and or the whittle the wood on the paintbrush. Also something, Pew the maid testified about Burke, his wood whittling, and Pew the maid is a Linda Hoffman Pew. She had to take away the knife and hide it. The cabinet door where she hid it was found open that day. It was hidden in a top cabinet in the laundry room outside Jean Bonnet's room. Also a pair of jogging pants that were Burke's size were found on the floor of Jean Bonnet's room. They had feces in the crotch area. Fecal smears were on her carpet and smeared on a box of chocolates. J.B. had, Jean Bonnet that is, had gotten for Christmas. A set of child's feet prints were in the carpet facing Jean Bonnet's bed. Burks? Question mark. They'd have to be recent in order for the prints to be freshly on the carpet. Why did the Ramses lie and say that Burke was asleep after Patsy called 911? What are the reasons for them to lie? Burke is heard on the end of the 911 call after Patsy thought the phone was hung up. I distinctly hear Patsy ask, what did you do to me? Burke asks, are they going to arrest me? Why is there pineapple in Jean Bonnet's digestive system that was eaten shortly before she died? The Ramsey said she hadn't eaten anything for many hours and definitely not pineapple. Yet there the bowl sits on the table. Burke's fingerprints are on the bowl and on the glass of tea. Now the theory. Burke was in form years, while Patsy had cancer. Then she recovered and almost immediately jumped headfirst into the pageant hobby with Jean Bonnet. Basically, Burke became an afterthought. Jean Bonnet got tons of attention and won 9 out of 12 pageants she entered that year. Burke was angry, passive-aggressive, and on the autistic spectrum. At least one other time around a holiday, well, Jean Bonnet's birthday, he hit her over the head with a golf club. Out of anger or accident, either is possible, but I believe it was anger and jealousy. And I want to throw in a couple interjections. The first is that the golf club incident has been addressed by the Ramses. They were at something that sounds like a driving range, more or less, but it's like a, they were at a family golf course as part of an outing, and they say that Burke swung the golf club to hit the ball, and it was purely an accident that the golf club just came back and hit Jean Bonnet in the head. I did something very similar when I was actually in the elementary school gymnasium. For some reason, there was a golf club in a gymnasium, and I hit this girl in the head named Sabrina. Like, and I hit her pretty hard just because I was trying to swing at a golf ball, and when I did the follow-through, it came back and it hit her in the head, and I asked her, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. Then she walked right over to the teachers and started crying, and I mean, accidents like that do happen, but some people on message boards and in forum discussions insist that that is evidence that Burke had tried to hit Jean Benet previously. They think that it wasn't um, just simply an accident, even though, I mean, things like that can happen. I mean, the follow-through on a golf club is, um, I think anyone can imagine that, like, because the golf club often goes back over your shoulder and... If someone were standing behind you or to the side of you, they could be hit very easily. But uh, people insist that they think, no, Burke had violent tendencies. The Ramseys are always covering for him. They're just turning a blind eye to it. And this builds upon the Burke-Ramsey theory because Tina has already talked about the pineapple. 
And we'll hear about the Dr. Phil interview in a minute, but what Dr. Phil proposed to Burke Ramsey was that the theory is that Burke was just very jealous of Jean Benet. He was frustrated with Jean Benet. She's getting all this attention from the pageant world. And as Tina points out, getting all this attention from the um, from her mother, from Burke's mother, from Patsy Ramsey, because Patsy Ramsey is so heavily involved with Jean Benet's uh, pageantry, that J Burke is sitting uh, in the kitchen, and he is eating pineapple with milk on it, and um, in, out of a bowl, and he is drinking a glass of tea, and that Jean Benet just reached over, pulled a piece of the pineapple out of the bowl, and Burke just snapped, just lost it, and he unloaded on her. He grabbed a blunt object that was nearby, hit her over the head, and then she was rendered unconscious. But I've always been very critical of that theory, because... As we said from the beginning, it wasn't the head wound that killed her, it was the asphyxiation. And then I was like, well, what do you mean? The parents staged the scene, but they didn't make sure that Jean Benet was dead? I mean, if it had just been an accident, or even if Burke had actually done that, if there had been any chance that they could have saved her life, why would the parents stage the scene, including strangling and asphyxiating their own daughter to death, if she wasn't actually dead? I mean, did they not check for signs of life and such? Well, Tina has an explanation for that. So, first we will hear her comments on the Dr. Phil show. On Christmas night, stress was high. Burke admitted to Dr. Phil in 2016 that he had snuck downstairs after everyone had gone to sleep. So, in my, th in my theory, he is downstairs eating pineapple. Jean Benet wakes up and goes downstairs. Her pillow is photographed on the island in the kitchen. She eats some of the pineapple, unable to make her own. Dr. Phil also asked Burke if he had used the flashlight when he was downstairs. Sneaking downstairs in the middle of the night, Burke said he did not recall. I believe he did, which explains the erratic lights the neighbors reported in the kitchen. It could be Burke and Jean Benet having a fight. He grabs her by the collar of her red turtleneck, accounts for certain marks. She gets away from him by running down to the basement and follows. He clobbers her over the head. She is rendered unconscious. He pokes her with his train tracks to... Try and wake her up. Accounts for the marks on her body, exact measurements of his train tracks, and she still does not wake up 45 to 90 minutes. According to the medical experts, by between the head blow and the strangulation, in that 45 to 90 minutes, he rips into presence in wine cellar. He plays around in his train room between trying to awaken her. Finally, he starts worrying about getting into trouble. Plus, he is getting sleepy. He tries to drag her by both her arms to hide her, to keep her from getting into trouble. So it says to keep him from getting into trouble, excuse me. But he is not strong enough to drag her. So he has an idea. In Boy Scouts, a toggle rope is used to rescue objects that are too heavy. Using his Swiss army knife found near the body, he prepares the toggle rope by breaking his mother's paintbrush and then cutting some rope or creating his device. Before constructing it, out of boredom and curiosity, he inserted the paintbrush into her private part, much like he had done with other objects while playing doctor. According to the maid, she had walked in on them before. Then he attempts to move her with a talgo rope. He slides her from his train room toward the wine cellar, but inadvertently strangled her in the attempt to do so. He did not quite make it to the wine cellar before she passed, right outside of the room in the hall. All right, did you get that? The theory about how... 
Burke could have hit her over the head and how she could have died from strangulation is he wasn't strong enough to move her, her body, her unconscious body, which would have still been um, absolutely um, unresponsive, even poking her with the train track to um, try and revive her. And then he placed his, the uh, rope with the garrote, the toggle rope, around her neck, and he starts dragging her by the head, and that actually caused the strangulation. He is frantic, he is confused, he is tired. He finally runs back upstairs and climbs into bed, closing his eyes. Maybe this will all go away. He pretends to sleep because he cannot sleep. His stress level is too high. Patsy had been packing and spending personal time with John, but around midnight goes to see Jean Benet. She goes to see Jean Benet to see if Jean Benet gets up to pee so she won't wet the bed. But Jean Benet is not in her room. Patsy runs all around the house looking for Jean Benet. She asks Burke, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Burke doesn't answer her. Finally, after all ex exhausting all possibilities, Patsy checks the basement for a very loud scream, and it is heard by one of the neighbors between midnight and 1 a.m. I believe this is Patsy screaming as she finds Jean Benet's lifeless body in the basement. She does frantically but cursory does a frantic but cursory check of Jean Benet's body and the strangle device. Patsy's fibers are found on Jean Benet and in the paint tray and on the rope. She eventually wakes up John and they concoct the kidnap ransom note idea because neither are attorneys. Neither realize Burke is six weeks too young to be legally charged with murder. Besides, they have a perfect image to uphold with their society friends. Both John and Patsy do the staging. Burke's toggle rope is fairly crude. John makes it more sophisticated with Patsy's help, and they wash her and change her out of the red turtleneck and into the white star top. The red turtleneck is found wet and wadded up in Jean Benet's bathroom vanity. All right, a lot of things to respond to there. Point number one. You heard the thing about Patsy goes to check on Jean Benet to see if Jean Benet needs to use the bathroom so Jean Benet did not wet the bed. Jean Benet had a very strong um, history of bedwetting. It was something that she did very regularly. And in one theory, and this is something that I have to share with my learning process, in one theory, it is that Patsy came to check on Jean Bonnet so she could take her to the bathroom so she wouldn't wet the bed, but Jean Bonnet had already wet the bed, and that Patsy simply lost it. That that scream that they're talking about is Patsy Ramsey just freaking out on Jean Bonnet. She takes her to the bathroom. She's being rather rough with her. Jean Bonnet is not responding very well. So then Patsy hits Jean Bonnet's head against the bathtub faucet or another hard surface in the area, and that's what caused the head wound. Again, you would have to explain in that theory, how did she die from strangulation? I know people will try and say, oh, no, well, well obviously it's the head wound that killed her. Well, what are all these sources saying that she died from strangulation? I mean, that would mean that Patsy Ramsey would have hit Jean Bonnet over the head and then staged the scene, but murdering her in the process, meaning that she wouldn't even have been dead yet. A mother doing that to her own child? I don't think that theory is correct. But um, that's, again, not Tina's theory. That's just what, the way that some people have uh, responded to that. And I think you've heard the um, majority of Tina's uh, claims about how Jean Bonnet was murdered, that Burke struck her over the head with a blunt object, most likely that flashlight. I mean, most people think that it was a flashlight based on the um, indentation in Jean Bonnet's skull, and that he tried to transport her body to a different place.
by pulling her with what uh, Tina calls the toggle rope that Burke would have tied some knots around the piece of wood that came from Patsy's paintbrush and then put it around Champagne's neck and tried to drag her to a different location. I also want to share one thing with you guys. Before, I thought that there was some possibility that Champagnet could have been hit by a stun gun, and that was a big piece of evidence that I used against the Burke Ramsey theory. But to the credit of the CBS show that was trying to vilify Burke, they wanted to address that point. Because I was like, how on earth would Burke Ramsey have had access to a stun gun? He was nine years old, just short of his 10th birthday. How would he have even known how to use that? I mean, what are people talking about? But I mean, it was something that was widely discussed. People thought Sean Bonet was hit with a stun gun. And these uh, marks on her body that Tina was talking about, um, the explanation that is provided in counterbalances, that it was a piece of Burke's uh, toy train set, the train tracks, and that maybe he stabbed her with that to um, not exactly resuscitate her, but just to see if she were still alive and... Again, panicking, freaking out at that point. Oh no, did I just kill my sister? He stabs her with the train track just to see if she would be responsive. When they did the stun gun recreations on that CBS show, they show that number one, a stun gun is very loud. Number two, a stun gun leaves behind certain marks that were not present on Jean Benet's body. So there would have been very large pink circles, more or less, and I don't even have to say circles, just very large pink shapes in the area where the stun gun would have been used. There would be very definitive marks left behind that are not present. Therefore, it's almost maybe um, plausible at this point to say that she was not attacked with a stun gun. But I'll go back to uh, Tina's theory. Both John and Patsy concoct the ransom note. Patsy forgets to change her own clothes. She is in that much of a frenzy to fix this. Duct tape placed over her already dead daughter's lips. Perfect lip print, loose hand ties, the 911 call, and a very tired Patsy goes into showtime. And it worked. They all evaded criminal culpability. I've left out some stuff, but the fingers on my iPad are making me tired. Okay? Well, Tina, um, big thank you for creating something that you wanted to discuss with me and writing out your theory and agreeing to um, let me put it out here on Black Box Online Radio. So I said back, though, would you mind some challenges? The first point that I want to challenge is this idea of Burke being a Boy Scout. Therefore, he learned about knots and he, he could have learned them from a book or he learns them from a Boy Scout troop. As someone like me, who is an Eagle Scout myself, I think it's highly unlikely that Burke, at age nine, would have learned anything about complicated knot tying at that point in his Boy Scout journey. Someone even wrote in the comment section once saying, those are commando knots. Burke would have known how to tie those in the Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. I've never heard of a commando knot. And you do have to learn certain knots to... uh climb up the ranks, like you do what's called a board of review, where you have to demonstrate the ability to tie certain knots. But that is done much later on in the uh, Boy Scout process, not at age 9 or 10. And here's something that I do want to share. 
At age nine, under stress, if Burke is freaking out, if he is in panic mode, I mean, what are you going to say, that instinct just took over and that he resorted to his um, Boy Scout survival skills and that he just made this garrote out of the paintbrush and put it around JonBenet's neck and tried to pull her as a toggle rope? I don't think that that a nine-year-old boy is going to respond that way. I know Burke Ramsey and I were different people, but I definitely wouldn't have had that type of um, thought process to just immediately go back to remembering your Boy Scout knots in a time of panic. And furthermore, I don't believe those are Boy Scout knots. I've never seen anything like that that was tied on the garage. And Tina actually did share something with me about how it is very similar to the clove hitch and also um, lashing that we do learn in the Boy Scouts. And um, the clove hitch is one that I perhaps maybe could even still tie to this day if I had the wood, but that is used for two pieces of wood to put them together. And the garrote was fashioned out of a single piece of wood. And this is important because all of these have different meanings like you don't use the clove hitch to tie um to tie a piece of wood into the rope and make a circle that's not what it's for so then how would he be able to just jump into survival mode even though he didn't now there's a claim though that i admit i am not well informed enough to talk about and that is did burke know about the knots because of sailing i said that the uh, stones unturned podcast did a couple episodes about john benet ramsey and in one of them the host of that one, Thomas Horn, proposed the idea that Burke w knew about knots because both Burke and his parents were very familiar with sailing. So this would have been something that even age nine, he would have been able to tie himself. I can't really comment on that too much, but as someone who learned about this stuff firsthand in the Boy Scouts, I don't think those are Boy Scout knots. I don't think that a nine-year-old would have been educated on how to tie anything that complicated. I don't think that someone Burke's age would respond that way under stress, and I don't think that um, Burke had anything to do with creating the garrote, but that's just me. So then Tina has a response to that saying, I believe whatever Burke made as far as knots was very crude, and that John Ramsey made it look more sophisticated, meaning that Burke was involved with the strangulation and that thing that you see in all the images is actually um, something that was redone by uh, Burke Ramsey. I'm sorry, by John Ramsey. By John Ramsey, he made it look more sophisticated. Tina asked me a question. Could a Boy Scout know the loose concept of a, how a toggle rope works? Not at age 9 or 10. I mean, I guess anything is possible, but I highly, highly doubt it. Now, we have something from Tina about how Patsy Ramsey could have played a role in this. And the things that make us point toward Patsy Ramsey's guilt, the first one is that Patsy Ramsey wore the exact sweater she wore the night of the murder. I mean, the next morning she did not change her clothes and she also did not get out of her makeup. Lawrence Schiller likes to point this out very clearly in Perfect Murder, Perfect Town. Neither her fingerprints nor DNA were found on the pineapple bowl or tea glass. Possibilities, she used another dish and it got washed, but the parents deny this. Or um, the other possibility, I think, is uh, maybe even somewhat more probable, 
Burke did it himself, the uh, pineapple and the tea, and he just left it there. He didn't put it in the sink, didn't put it in the kitchen. He just left it on the kitchen table or the um, that um, area in the kitchen where it was. It's not really a table. I shouldn't have said that. Patsy had kept her paint tray in the butler's kitchen until recently. She had the maid take it downstairs into the basement. Fibers from her sweater were found in the paint tray on the middle. Transfer is possible, but what is the probability of that specific sweater fiber uh, getting transferred there and in both places? The way that contact works is, um, just to provide a possible explanation, if you have people going all around the house when they were looking for Jean Benet, um, I guess that it could be possible. But what I said very simply in the past, we should, um, and I don't, I don't stand by the statement anymore, but what I said in the past was that Patsy's fibers found in her paint set, that meant nothing to me because I was like, well, of course her fibers are going to be found in her paint set. It's hers. I mean, how do you know it's from even that specific night? And um, the uh, documentary that was put out by um, Sweetie B, based on the book Little Girl Blue, talks about how there were, um, I believe, other fibers that were found in that um, paint set from different clothes that Patty, Patsy had worn, as well as one that was from a beaver pelt, and they believe that's from the paintbrush um, itself. So, possibility one, Patsy wore the same sweater at, the, at a different time. Patsy was... Um, the transfer was made from Patsy to Jean Bonnet and then transferred to the paint tray and the knot. I mean, the knot's a little bit more difficult to explain. I mean, Patsy's fibers found in the paint tray. Maybe she did wear the same sweater more than once. But I did want to uh, go back to something. Because I mentioned Sweetie B in the book Little Girl Blue, which talks mostly about the intruder theory, and it is the biggest myth in the Jean Bonnet Ramsey case, according to Sweetie B's uh, documentary that was put out, was that the bed was wet on the night that Jean Bonnet died. Now, this, this is heavily a challenge to the Patsy Ramsey theory, not the Burke Ramsey theory. But that is that Jean Bonnet wet the bed and that Patsy hit her in some way and strangled her to death and Patsy is the culprit, and that John Ramsey is covering for her. Burke really had nothing to do with it, um, nothing that his parents would have... Um, his parents did the whole thing, right? So one problem with that is, firstly, the Sweetie Bee documentary points out the bed was not wet that night, so that whole theory should go out the window, right? Wrong. Even if the bed wasn't wet... Somebody could have changed the sheets or changed the bed in the hours that they had before anybody even was alerted. And again, I cite the Stones Unturned for that a piece of um, commentary, just making clear it's not my own original observation, that the bed could have been changed and something could have been thrown in some type of washing machine, covering tracks, cleaning up a crime scene. It's possible. No, I mean, and I do think that it's possible, but we should remember that, that the bed was not found to have been wet when the investigators were looking in there. But at this time, I would like to ask you guys, very simply, what do you think of Tina's theory involving Burke Ramsey, which implicates Burke Ramsey, that Burke and Jean Benet got into this fight over pineapple 
that Burke is just eating the pineapple. Maybe Jean Bonnet reaches into the bowl, takes a piece of his pineapple, and he retaliates. He starts chasing after her, and that um, he hits her in the head with a blunt object, and she is completely knocked out. She isn't dead at that point, but Burke thinks that she's dead. He even prods her with the um, train track to see if he can um, get any signs of life out of her, and she doesn't respond, so then he ties a very crude um, piece of wood into the rope and then pulls her body by the neck. The it's used as a toggle rope. Again, he has tied this thing around her neck and he is pulling her and that's ultimately what led to her death. And then Burke begins to panic. The Ramses find out what happened and then they simply say that they do not want to lose Burke too, so they stage the scene making it look like it's some type of ransom and kidnapping and the intruder uh, did it, but in reality, it was just somebody in the family. I do want to point out some things from a previous Jean Benet episode. Point number one, Mark Hewitt wrote into the comments section saying that the note was written on paper that was found in the Ramsey's house, and also it was a felt-tip pen was used that was returned to a cup in the kitchen where they kept the pens, and Mark Hewitt pointed out that that is something that someone would most likely only do if they had intense familiarity with the location, returning to the pen to the exact location where it was found. Again, you guys can respond in the comments section down below. And the other one is that a suitcase was found near Jean Benet's body, and um, is it possible that somebody wanted to hide Jean Benet in a suitcase and then transport her to a different location? And you'd have to think who would want to do that. But if I could be 100% clear with you guys, I will admit that I was wrong about something. I don't do that nearly enough here on Black Box Online Radio. And it relates to the intruder theory. For the longest time, I did not believe that it was Burke. I did not believe it was one of the Ramses. I believed that it was an intruder. And I thought that there was a guy named Michael Helgoth who had a dispute with John Ramsey, a property dispute, because Michael Helgoth worked in a junkyard on the outskirts of Boulder, and a boot print was found at the scene that said high-tech, H-I-T-E-C, that was on the underside of the boot. And I thought that this had been conclusively matched. Aphrodite Jones even did an episode about it, but because I was discussing this with Tina, I decided to just read up a little more and Every source that I found said, yes, Michael Helgoth owned a pair of high-tech boots, but they were the wrong size. And I never thought that he did it alone. I mean, I don't know about never, but I don't, for the longest time, I didn't think that he did it alone. But I thought that that was a compelling piece of evidence that showed that he was an active participant in the um, crime, and that there were at least three people who were somewhat familiar with the Ramsey's house, minus limited familiarity from Michael Helgoth. Some people point towards Linda Hoffman Pugh and Mervyn Pugh being in on this because they want to do this as a type of revenge on the Ramses. The famous line is that the $118,000 asked in the ransom note is from John Ramsey's uh, um, annual bonus or Christmas bonus, one of the bonuses that he got from the company. What was that called? Um, Access Graphics, right? So... 
But that's not true. It wasn't Michael Helgoff's boot print. His boot prints were the wrong size. He owned a pair of high-tech boot prints. He committed suicide shortly after, and I thought that made him look really guilty. You know, his boot print matched to the crime scene, and he committed suicide. I thought he was definitely an active participant. Yeah, looking less and less likely. No, I was wrong about something. I had either misinterpreted something that the media had put out, or maybe some genuine misinformation was put out there. But um, it doesn't mean that I completely reject any theory involving an intruder. I don't know what happened. This is still an unsolved case. But right now, I'd like to ask you guys, what do you think about the Burke Ramsey theory that was discussed in this episode? Big thanks to Tina once again. And if you have a case or an idea for the show, you can always write me, blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com, Facebook, Instagram, blackboxned88, and I will see you right over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.